Luke chapter number 15, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number 11. This story probably, parable, most of you have heard very, very many times, but I want to focus on something that I don't think very many people do focus on, and I want to try to help you tonight. The Bible says in verse number 11 of Luke chapter 15, And he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough in despair? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Let's pray together this evening. Heavenly Father, please use your word, Father. Help me to get out of the way. Lord, I pray simply that I be a vessel to be used of you. Lord, you knew who would and would not be here tonight. I believe with all my heart, Lord, that the divine appointment of this evening's service is being kept. Father, that you have a message and a truth for our hearts that we desperately need. Now help us to take heed to it. Father, to apply it in our lives. Do what only you can in our midst meet each heart's need. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Most of you have probably heard that the majority of accidents that take place take place within just a few miles of home. 
And in fact, it's astounding how many accidents take place in the home. Uh, It's not uncommon for someone to be doing a little bit of work around the house, be up on a ladder and to fall off and hurt themselves, or uh, be trying to rewire something. Us men, for some reason, when we find something dangerous and complicated, we say, let me crack that open uh, like a seal breaking open a clam and dig around inside of it. Amen. And certainly there's probably been plenty of men that have been electrocuted trying to work on things they had no business trying to work on, things of that sort. And there's plenty of accidents and much danger that takes place at the home. Now, as we've read this passage, I'm sure most of our minds, just as mine does when it reads this passage, goes immediately to the young man that took his father's living, the substance, the inheritance that his father had given him, and went off into a far land and squandered it away and lived in sin and lived in uh, sensuality and carnality and blew everything that his father had given him. And we love the story of redemption about this young man coming home and finding that his father had not forgotten about him. His father had not written him off. His father had not turned his back. His father hadn't even turned the porch light off. Somebody say amen right there. He's sitting on the porch waiting for his son to get home. What a blessed thought that our father waits for us to come back home when we've wandered away. But as we read this passage, very few people say anything about the other son. And I want to take just a few moments tonight. I want to preach to you on the thought, close at home, but far at heart. You know, the sad truth is, in the Christian life, many times home can be a pretty dangerous place too. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I mean that this young man never wandered from his father's house. This older brother, he never went out into the depths of sin. And yet we find that there was a root of bitterness in his heart and that he was far from God and distant in his relationship with his father, even though he had stayed at home. And let me put it as simply as I can. Do you know that you can get backslid even in church? You can get away from God even while you're serving God. You can get angry with God even when you're outwardly praising God. And the Lord said about the nation of Israel that this people draw nigh unto me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And I believe there's a danger in staying at home. You say, preacher, are you saying we ought to get out in the world and live like sin? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we need to be careful and guarded about our relationship with the Lord, even when we are staying home in a spiritual sense, even when we are staying in church, even when we are reading our Bible, even when we are regularly praying, even when we are serving God. We need to be conscious that there's still danger in those things. The devil seeks to trip us up. The devil seeks to destroy us. And there's no quicker way the devil can destroy us than by causing our relationship with Christ to grow cold and apathetic. If he can destroy that, he's destroyed our lives. He's destroyed the only element of our lives that really matters. I mean, listen, neighbor, you can have terrible health, but if you've got a good relationship with Christ, you've got something worth living for. You can have no money whatsoever. I mean, you can be a pauper. You can live in this world and never have a a dime to your name. But if you have the King of Kings as your Savior, you've got something worth talking about. But you can have all those things. If your relationship with Christ is in the ditch, you're a pauper in God's eyes. You've missed it. You've missed the boat. I want us to notice five things tonight, just very quickly, and I'm going to try not to take a lot of time. But I want you to look with me at verse number 25. The Bible says, now his elder son was in the field. Now, if you were here Sunday morning, I was preaching about Esau and Jacob, and Esau had been spending time in the field. In that context, the field certainly can represent the world. But we find that many times the field also represents a place 
of service. And in fact, many times in the very parables that equate the world to a field, it's also equating the world to our place of service and sowing and our place where we uh, minister and work for Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells me that whenever the young, uh, younger brother came home and whenever the father found him, that the older brother was not aware of this. Why? Because he was out in the field. He was laboring, he was working, he was serving. He was not home to see these things take place. He was out in the field when all this happened. And can I say that we should first off take note of his busyness. He was a man that was serving his father. He was a man that was involved in the work of the home. And can I tell you that many times when we're serving God, that's a good place to get backslidden. I mean, let a pastor be honest with you. It's something I have to guard. It's so easy to get involved in the work of the Lord that we forget the Lord of the work. And it becomes merely about exerting the effort and doing the work and forgetting that there's a God we're trying to please in the entire midst of. I mean, it's easy to look at the younger brother and know where he went wrong. He went wrong when he left the father's house. But the older brother was there. But those that are serving God are not impervious to getting away from the Lord. In fact, you'll find if you study church, if you study uh, various churches and various people in ministry, you'll find that it's actually a very present danger and it's actually a very prevalent danger. There's lots of people that get so busy working in the field that they forget to sit at his feet. We see this in the story of Mary and Martha. There was one that was uh, cumbered about with much care and was very busy. What she was doing was admirable. I mean, we, we need people to do that. And no doubt the Savior needed to eat. And yet we find that she put her service above her spirituality. And you say, preacher, are you saying we ought not do nothing for the Lord? No, somebody had to tend the fields. But even the man tending the field needed to take time to tend his heart. And all of us need to do it. I don't care who we are. Uh, One of the greatest ways that we can get frustrated and bitter and angry with God and angry with those around us is to try to endeavor in the work of the Lord without knowing His will and without walking with Him in a daily way. I mean, it don't take long. It don't take long. I give you analogy after analogy of people that were busy in the work of God, but they allowed their spiritual walk to suffer. You won't stay busy in the work of God long if you're not tending to your spiritual walk. This man was in the field and he was working. He was working hard and he was working for his father. But at the end of the day, we find whenever he responds to his father, it's an attitude of arrogance and bitterness. Why? Something had happened in the field that had shifted his attitude. He got his eyes on the work and took him off of the Lord. This is a real present danger. We have to understand that what we're engaged in, church, is a spiritual effort and a spiritual battle. It's not merely a physical thing. We war not against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities and powers. And on and on we could go about the things that we battle against. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. This is not a physical battle. We do a lot of physical work and energy, and we expel uh, a lot of effort in what we're doing. But we need to understand this is a spiritual thing at the end of the day. It's all about our walk with Christ. We've got something posted up in our, uh, in our sound room, and I, I think it's a good thing that, that uh, the chief responsibility of all of us is our spiritual walk with the Lord. We actually have it posted in our sound room that if you feel your spiritual walk suffering, it's time to find somebody else to turn the knobs on the soundboard. The last thing I want for Wall Ridge or for any church for that matter, is for people to build our ministry instead of our ministry to build people. And there's a real danger of taking advantage 
of people and not tending to their spiritual walks. Part of that is on a pastor in a church, but part of it's on the individual as well. We have to all guard our spiritual walks. Now you say, preacher, are you saying that, uh, that it's a bad thing to serve God? No, not at all. Someone had to tend the fields. Someone had to cook supper for the Savior. But what does it say? The Bible says she hath chosen that better part. If we got a choice between the two, the main thing is sitting at his feet. I want you to notice we see his busyness, but I want you to notice the second thing. Look at verse 28. The Bible says, And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out, and entreated him. I want you to notice, first off, his busyness, but I want you to notice his bitterness. He had a hatred for his brother. Can I give you something to guard yourself against? And listen, this is a Wednesday night crowd, but that's why I think we need this most. I mean, the Wednesday night crowd is typically your most faithful group of people. It's the people that are engaged in the the service and the laboring and the working. And and I think we all need this. Sometimes it's easy to get frustrated at those that aren't having a part. You know that? Why was he so angry at his brother? He was angry at his brother, Ralph, because for all those years he had served his father. And here comes his brother waltzing in wanting forgiveness. And the father forgives him. That's the very definition of bitterness. Bitterness when we'd rather see someone get what we consider their just desserts than see him grow closer to the Savior. He was angry. That older brother would have been happier if that younger brother just stayed off into the far land and stayed away from the Lord. What was he really so angry about, though? He said, you've never killed for me a fatted calf. You've never given me a kid so that I can make merry and so that I can do these things. I want you to notice not only his bitterness, but I want you to notice his brashness. You know what he was really saying? He was really saying, how come nobody's paying attention to me? That's what he's saying. Isn't that true? I mean, he's saying that, right, Brother Charlie? I mean, he, he's saying, here, you're making a big fuss over this one that's gone astray. And I've been toiling and working, and I get no party. I get no kid. You know, the interesting thing, in his mind, it was all about him. It's all about him. One of the greatest dangers that we face is self-centeredness. All of us. You know what the Bible says about the flesh? No man ever yet hated his own flesh. This world says we've got to have a self-esteem problem, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says our problem is that we esteem ourselves too much. You remember what it was like when it was an honor to serve the Lord? Remember what it was like when it was like that? I'd say there was a time in this older brother's life you know, how, you know how it is. You know how it is with little kids. You remember the first time that your little one got to mow the yard? You remember that? The first time they, they thought they was Mario Andretti. I mean, they just couldn't wait. It didn't take long for them to realize that that was a chore. <laughs> and they didn't want to be doing it. They grow up and hate mowing the yard like the rest of us. But, but at first it was just the excitement. You know why? They were getting to do something, man. They were getting to do something. What they were doing was helping their father and their mother. What they were doing was exciting. It was something new. And they were just honored to be entrusted with the responsibility. They didn't care that it took their time. They didn't care that it took their effort. They were just excited to have a part of it. But we find that this older brother comes to a point where he says, you know, I don't feel like I'm really getting the attention I deserve. Let me ask you something. What do we do what we do for? I mean, that's basic. Listen, I, I know this is, this is probably not a sermon they're ever going to print in the sword of the Lord. It's just not that dynamic. I know that. That's okay. I think it's what we all need, all of us. And listen, this preacher's preaching at himself before he's preaching at any of you. We all need this. Because sometimes we get to a place where we're doing it for the applause and the accolades and not for the approval of our Heavenly Father. 
you see, that older brother, if he hadn't been so brash and so self-centered, he would have been satisfied just knowing his father was pleased with him. I mean, that was all he had. He had served for those many years. That was his words. He said, lo, these many years, for many years it had been good enough just to serve for his father's sake. No applause. Nobody coming out in the field and saying, boy, look at that older brother. Look at him out there plowing. Look at him out there sowing. Look at him out there reaping. Boy, look at him. It didn't matter to him. He was just happy to be involved. Just happy to be doing something. But now all of a sudden, I'm talking about in the field. I'm talking about he never took a break from the service. I'm not talking about uh, this fella went out like his younger brother into the world and got into sin. I'm talking about the fella that had stayed home, the one that had kept his hand to the plow, gets to a place where he's unhappy because he's not getting the applause that he thinks he deserved. That's a real danger we all need to be careful of, getting to the point where it's about us. You say, are you telling me, preacher, it's about them? No, it's not about them and it's not about us, Ralph. It's about him. It's about Him. You know why they were rejoicing over that son that had come home? They weren't rejoicing over the son that had come home because of the son. They were rejoicing over the son that had come home because of the glory it brought to their heavenly Father. That's why they were rejoicing. Why do you think it is the angels rejoice in heaven over one sinner that comes to repentance? They're not mourning over the multitudes that went to hell. They're rejoicing over those that have accepted Christ. Why is that? Because in heaven it's all about Him. It's all about His glory. And they're excited that Christ is getting glory. We see His brashness. We see His boastfulness. I, this, this struck me. You see this a lot in the life of Job, too. Everybody talks about how Job did nothing wrong. But Job spends about three or four chapters talking about how he's never done anything wrong. And I don't know about you, neighbor, but any of us would have trouble saying that we've never done anything wrong. You know what he said these many years? He said, I have not transgressed thy commandments. It tells me something about a person when they think they do no wrong. Because I don't care who you are, we all make mistakes. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. You know where frustration comes from, Ralph? It comes from seeing others' mistakes and not our own. That's where it comes from. And it's easy to see everyone else's. It's just like anything. We have to look in a mirror to see our own mistakes, but we can see other people's mistakes on accident. You ever saw someone so ugly that it was like it smacked you when you saw them? I've seen people like that. There may have been a few people feel that way about me, Ralph, but I wouldn't know it. I wouldn't know it. I avoid mirrors like they're the plague. Now, we have to deliberately look at ourselves. There's a certain place we have to go to to look at ourselves. We have to go to a mirror. You can look at others without intending to. You can look at others without ever planning on it. But if we're going to look at ourselves, we have to go to a certain place. We have to go to a certain lighting. You can't go in a dark room. You've got to go to a place where the light is shining. And we have to look at ourselves deliberately. We don't tend to do that. That's not natural. We tend to see everyone else. And that's normal. I'd say if I was to sit here and say, how many of us are willing to tell about something on somebody in this room? Now, you may not do it with them sitting here, but if we get them to leave, you might be willing to. Amen? But now, how many of us be willing to say, all right, I want you to tell a flaw or a failure of your own? We're not so quick to do that. Oh, it wasn't that this man had never done anything wrong. It was just he didn't see what he had done wrong. He saw what everyone else had done wrong. That's the quickest way to get you bitter and discouraged. The truth of the matter is we all fail. If you're looking for a place with perfect people, you're just going to have to die to get there. You ain't going to find it on this earth. People with flaws and failures, people that make mistakes. They may not make the mistakes that you make. 
But they make mistakes of their own. And you may not make the mistakes that they make, but you make your own. We all do. See, he was boastful. He said, I've not done anything wrong. I've not done anything. I'm perfect. That's what he was implying. I'm perfect. I'm perfect. And I've known people that have felt that way about themselves. I want you to notice a final thing. I want you to notice his blindness. I'm done. I know it's sitting real long. I know it's not. I ain't done no backflips. You, you didn't have... You know, I preach real short Sunday night. You know that? Was you here Sunday night? You were not. See, you missed it. But you're getting it now. Don't think it's a trend, amen. But sometimes the Holy Spirit just leads this way. I'm going to give you one other thing and I'm going to hush. See his blindness. You know what the Father said to him? The Father said, Son, thou art ever with me. All that I have is thine. You know what the older brother was saying? He was saying, I've worked so hard and I ain't got nothing to show for it. That's what he was saying. I've worked all these years, worked all this time, never transgressed, and what do I have for sh- to show for? And then here comes the younger brother, waltzes in, and you've got the best robe and the best shoes and a new ring and a fatted calf, and everybody's dancing and whooping and hollering and making a big to-do over him. And I've been so faithful. Nobody's done anything for me. And the father answers him by saying, first off, how art ever with me? Let me tell you something. Salvation alone ought to be enough to motivate us to serve the Lord from here throughout eternity. I mean, the Lord gives us more than that, and hallelujah for His goodness. But what the Father says is, Son, don't you realize that if you don't have anything else, you've got me. You've got me. The Lord ought to be enough. Can I say it again? The Lord ought to be enough. He ought to be enough. We get a lot of other things. That's how the Lord works. He's good to us, Ralph. He gives us a lot of things we don't deserve. But let me tell you something. If it's not about the Lord, you won't do anything for God. And if it's about anything else, you won't do anything for long. It's got to be about Him, and He's got to be enough. Thou art ever with me. But it goes a little further, and He says, And all that I have is thine. See, the problem was this. The problem was that the elder son, what he really wanted was recognition and independence. He wanted people to look at him and say he was somebody. And he wanted to control his own life. And you say, why do you believe that, preacher? I believe that because he couldn't even see all the things God had done for and given him. Couldn't even see. You know why? Because he hadn't entered into him yet. See, one of these days that daddy was going to die and then he was going to get his share. But what he couldn't see was that the relationship he had with his father was so much greater than anything he'd ever get, he couldn't appreciate it. You know, the sad truth is this. So many of us miss out on the blessings that God has given us because of bad motives, bad attitudes, bad situations, whatever it might be. I preached on a Sunday morning about Esau and Jacob giving up the spiritual blessings that God's given us for just a, a moment of sin, just a moment. And that moment doesn't have to be an outward, ugly, uh, evident sin. Sometimes it can be getting in the flesh for a moment, getting losing our temper for a moment, acting ugly just for a moment, being prideful just for a moment, whatever it may be. And we miss out on that blessing that God's given us. He was blind to all that God has given him. You know, the Bible says that some people can get so far that they're blind and they've forgotten that they've been washed from their old sins. You know, sometimes it's, I think it's time, Red. Sometimes it's time for us to just look at ourselves and say, am I really doing all I could? And if I'm not, what does it say about what I believe?
the value of Jesus Christ is worth. That I've got to have more than Him to do something for Him. That ought to be enough. And you know, these dangers, Ralph, they don't come way out in the far land. That's not what the younger brother dealt with. He didn't deal with any of those things out in the far land. Oh, he dealt with carnality, and he dealt with the flesh, and he dealt with open sin and rampant sin, and and it, it brought him down to the very bottom of the hog pen. He dealt with all those things. But he didn't deal with these other temptations. No, these are unique to staying at home. Those of us that stay close to the Lord, that serve the Lord, that try to stay in and stay in the midst of it, these are things we're tempted with. These are things this preacher's tempted with. These are things that, that those involved get tempted with. And we better learn to guard against them. Or we might come to a place where even when someone comes home, we're not even happy about it anymore. I've met people like that in my life before. You tell them so-and-so got saved. Good. Good. It's like you was telling them you vacuumed their car out for them. <laughs> Good. Good. They'd probably be a little more excited about that. I don't know, but I don't know. Sometimes the Word of God just has to do the preaching, Red. And the Holy Spirit just has to do the cutting. I don't have anything else to say. I just think we need to be careful about these things that are so close to home and such a danger to our lives.